through Calvary has touched you. Isn't that a blessing? And how good he is, how gracious he is. I, I believe this morning with all of my heart that heaven is real. And I believe with all of my heart every born-again saved person has a home in heaven. And I believe this morning with all of my heart that hell is real. And that every person that dies without Jesus Christ and relationship with Christ will spend eternity in hell separated from God forever and ever and ever. I believe it's real. It's not a fairy tale. It's not a game that we play. Uh, the gospel is real. The death, the burial, the resurrection of Christ is real. Calvary is real. And salvation this morning is real. As we prepare for our missions conference, we have behind me this poster, A Heart for the Harvest. I want you to turn your Bibles this morning to the book of Acts, chapter number 13. Acts, chapter 13. We're going to examine in the Word of God this morning a church with a heart for the harvest. And I want to relate that church this morning to what our prayer ought to be today for Valley Bible Baptist Church. Acts chapter 13, when you find your place, would you stand with me as we read together this morning the Word of God. Acts chapter 13. We're going to examine this morning the church of Antioch. Chapter 13, verse number 1. The Bible reads, Now there were in the church that was at Antioch certain prophets and teachers, as Barnabas and Simeon, which was called Niger, and Lucius of Cyrene and Manaen, which had been brought up with Herod the Tetrarch and Saul. As they ministered to the Lord and fasted, the Holy Ghost said, Separate me, Barnabas and Saul, for the work whereunto I have called them. And when they had fasted and prayed uh, and laid their hands on them, they sent them away. So they, being sent forth by the Holy Ghost, departed unto Seleucia, and from thence they sailed to Cyprus. And when they were at Salamis, they preached the word of God in the synagogues of the Jews, and they had also John to their minister. We have a church here that had a heart for the harvest. Here's a church with a worldwide vision. Here's a church that really, I believe, grasped the commission of Jesus Christ to go into all of the world and to preach the gospel to every creature. I'd like you to join me this morning as we go to the Lord in prayer and I would ask that you today would pray that God would have his way in this service and in your heart. Father, we thank you this morning for this church of Antioch. We will call it Antioch Baptist. And Lord, I thank you for their vision and Lord, for their burden to reach into their world. And Lord, I pray that might be the vision and the burden of Valley Bible Baptist Church. And Lord, this morning, as we open your word, you know each heart. And there's no doubt right here today in this audience, somebody that if they died today would not be in heaven with you. And I pray today that by your spirit, you would take your word and pierce and bring conviction to that heart. Lord, there is today in this audience a Christian that has lost the burden, has lost the vision. And oh God, today we ask you to challenge that heart. Have your way, we pray 
in this service. In Jesus' name. And you may be seated this morning. I've always loved the story or the message of the church at Antioch. It, it was really, as I read the, the, the New Testament and the book of Acts, it seems to me the first church that truly gained this worldwide vision. Now here in chapter 13, we have the church at Antioch. They lay hands on Paul or Saul at that time and Barnabas, and they sent these two men to the regions beyond. And the result, thousands saved. Multitudes of churches planted. And I've often shared with us here at Valley Bible Baptist Church, Lord, make Valley Bible Baptist Church an Antioch church. Help us to have the hearts of the church at Antioch. Now this morning as we examine this church, I, I see it as a model church and it's a church that had a heart for the harvest. And my prayer is that Valley Bible Baptist Church can be a model church. Now, I want you to go back with me to the book of Acts chapter 1 and let me give you some background information before we get into the message this morning. After the resurrection of the Lord Jesus Christ, uh, Jesus commissioned his church. And he said to this church, we might say the First Baptist Church of Jerusalem, he said, go into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature. He said, go ye therefore and teach all nations. In the book of Acts chapter 1 verse number 8, as he gave this commission to these apostles, he says, but ye shall receive power. After that, the Holy Ghost has come upon you. And he says, ye shall be witnesses unto me, both in Jerusalem and in all Judea and in Samaria and unto the uttermost part of the earth. Now, as we study through the book of Acts chapter 1, Acts chapter 2, on the day of Pentecost, the Lord empowered his church. Peter and the apostles preached the gospel with boldness. They preached the death, the burial, and the resurrection of the Lord Jesus Christ. Acts chapter 2 tells us that 3,000 were saved and they were baptized and added to this church in Jerusalem. Uh, these 3,000 were then discipled. We might say they started a Bible college and they began to train these converts to do the work of the ministry. Uh, the gospel was preached throughout Jerusalem. The Word of God tells us that the Lord added to the church daily such as should be saved. In this church in Jerusalem, God worked mighty miracles. Multitudes saved. The Jerusalem church continued to grow. We go to Acts chapter 8. Acts chapter 8. In verse number 1, it reads, And Saul was consenting unto his death. He speaks of Stephen. And at that time, there was a great persecution against the church which was at Jerusalem. And they were all scattered abroad throughout the regions of Judea and Samaria except the apostles. And devout men carried Stephen to his burial and made great lamentation over him. As for Saul, he made havoc of the church, entering into every house and hailing men and women, committed them to prison. We read in verse 4, Therefore they that were scattered abroad went everywhere preaching the word. 
Now Satan stirred up adversaries against this church in Jerusalem. As this church grew, there came persecution. We read here of Stephen, that he was martyred, he was stoned to death, and Saul stood by as Stephen gave up the ghost and entered into eternity. Now you follow with me to Acts chapter 11. In verse number 19, it reads, Now they which were scattered abroad upon the persecution that arose about Stephen traveled as far as Phoenice and Cyprus and Antioch, preaching the word to none but unto the Jews only. Now here's what took place. God used the persecution to stir the flames of revival. Uh, many within Jerusalem were forced outside the city to the regions beyond, and persecution only served to stir the embers and the fire of the gospel of Jesus Christ. Things got tough in the city of Jerusalem. Many Christians faced prison. They were beaten. There were the loss of jobs. There were stonings, as the example of Stephen. And many of the Christians were forced to leave the city of Jerusalem. But the Bible says everywhere they went, they preached the word of Jesus. I found when Jesus is real to you, you can't keep him inside. You've got to tell somebody about him. You've got to take Jesus to your friends and family and relatives. When it's real to you, you must proclaim the message. And so it was for these Christians. Now the word tells us that a group of these persecuted Christians arrived in this city of Antioch. Antioch was about 300 miles north of Jerusalem. It was mostly a Gentile city. It was the center of cultic worship. There was the worship of Artemis within the city or just outside the walls of the city. Uh, within this city was a temple to the Greek god Apollo. Uh, within this temple, there were wicked and sinful forms of worship. There was temple prostitution. Uh, Antioch was known as a wicked, sinful city. It was a large city. It was the third largest in the Roman Empire, a city of about 200,000 people. And we might say this morning that Antioch was a needy city. It was the center of idolatrous worship, and that idolatrous worship could never satisfy or quench the need of the heart. Amen. Yes. Because Jesus alone yes. can do that. Amen. The gospel can quench that need. Amen. And so that's exactly what God did in the city of Antioch. As these Christians arrived in that city, they preached the word of God. God began to change lives. God built a church in that city with a heart for the harvest. And this church experienced tremendous revival. This church had a worldwide impact. It was an unlikely city, and yet God chose an unlikely city. He chose the weak things of this world to confound the wise and to build in that city a model church with a vision and a heart for the harvest. That's kind of the background. I want to look at some aspects of this church that Valley Bible Baptist Church must implement if we're to have a heart for the harvest. Let's look in Acts chapter 11, again verse number 19. We find here this church had a heart for souls. 
Now they which were scattered abroad upon the persecution that arose about Stephen traveled as far as Phoenice and Cyprus and Antioch, preaching the word to none but the Jews only. In verse 20, and some of them were men of Cyprus and Cyrene, which when they were come to Antioch spake unto the Grecians, notice this, preaching the Lord Jesus. This church broke cultural barriers. In the early years of the spread of the gospel, uh, most of the preaching and most of the witnessing uh, took place amongst the Jewish population. In the book of Acts, Acts chapter 2, the day of Pentecost, there were 17 different language groups that heard the gospel and were saved. Uh, but these were Grecian or Hellenistic Jews. It was natural for the converts to go to their own. Uh, when they got saved, they took the gospel to their friends, to their relatives, to their co-workers. I remember after the Lord got a hold of my heart, I said to my mom, Mom, I'm going to go back to school this year. I'm going to win all of my friends to Jesus Christ. I wanted my friends to know what Jesus had done in my heart. And so it was for these Jewish Christians. They had a burden for their people. They went to their synagogues, to the places they worshipped, and they shared Jesus. And the result, multitudes of Jews were saved. In Acts chapter 6, we read that even priests and religious leaders were saved. Uh, most of the preaching, however, was only to the Jews. Those that arrived in Antioch found a Gentile population, and they reached beyond their comfort zone. The Bible tells us they preached to the Grecians. That's always been God's intention, that the gospel of Jesus Christ is for every man, every woman, every boy, in every girl, in every language, every nation, every tongue, every tribe, that every person has an opportunity in every place to hear the gospel of Jesus Christ. The Antioch Christians preached the Lord Jesus to everyone, not just to the Jews. They broke cultural barriers. But as they preached Jesus, they broke sinful barriers. I mentioned in the beginning that Antioch was a city of bondage. It was known as a wicked city, a sinful city, a paganistic city, a lustful city, an idolatrous city. It's kind of like an Española. Every sin imaginable was prominent in the city of Antioch. But Jesus is the answer. And he's always the answer. As they arrived in Antioch, they found a city in need. Uh, they found a city that sin had only left them wanting. And to these pagan worshipers, they preached Jesus. They didn't preach their philosophy or psychology or the wisdom of man. But they uplifted the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. They preached Jesus, crucified, buried, and resurrected. They preached a living God. They preached to these who had dead idols and worshipped in those temples dead idols that could never change the heart. They preached to these idolaters a living Savior that could make a difference in the heart and life. You notice in verse number 21, as they preached Jesus in chapter 11, it reads, The hand of the Lord was with them, and a great number believed and turned to the Lord. 
Many turn from their idols and from their sinful practices to the Lord Jesus Christ. Many in this sinful city found Jesus to be their answer and what the world could not do and what religion could not do, Jesus did. See, a heart for the harvest means a heart for souls. It means this understanding that if a man or a woman or a boy and girl dies without Jesus, they will split hell wide open. It's a real place. Española is a needy place. Northern New Mexico is a needy place. Uh, need I tell you that this is a valley of addictions and sinful lusts and false religions. Uh, a valley where lives have been destroyed and homes have been destroyed and purpose has been destroyed. But Jesus is the answer. And like the Christians of Antioch, we make a difference when we preach Jesus Christ. There's a heart for souls. But as I read through Acts chapter 11, a heart for the harvest is a heart for discipleship. Many in Antioch were saved, but they were baby Christians. They were ignorant of biblical principles. And this church took seriously the Great Commission Go ye into all the world, preach the gospel to every creature, uh, teaching them, uh, teaching all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and the Holy Ghost, teaching them to observe all things whatsoever I have commanded you. See, the responsibility went beyond getting folks saved. The responsibility included teaching and training these folks and involving them in the local church. Uh, an example. God gave to moms and dads baby children. And I've never seen a dad or a mom bring the baby home from the hospital and put that baby in the crib and say to that baby, we have three square meals a day at this home. Uh, you get up and you come for breakfast and lunch and supper. No, mom and dad know better than that. Uh, that baby has to be cared for as a baby. And so it was for these new converts in the city of Antioch. Uh, they began to disciple them. This church at Antioch obeyed this part of the commission. I want you to look in verse 22, Acts 11. Then tidings of these things came unto the ears of the church which was at Jerusalem, and they sent forth Barnabas that he should go as far as Antioch, who, when he came and had seen the grace of God, was glad and exhorted them all that with purpose of heart they would cleave to the Lord, for he was a good man, full of the Holy Ghost and of faith, and much people was added unto the Lord. In other words, God worked a miracle, multitudes were saved, and this church at Antioch began to train them. But there was a great need. The church in Jerusalem heard what God was doing in Antioch. They sent one of their best men, Barnabas. And Barnabas, when he came to this city and to this church, began to train, began to disciple but the need was still greater. Verse 25, it says, Then departed Barnabas to Tarsus for to seek Saul. And when he had found him, he brought him to Antioch. And it came to pass that a whole year they assembled themselves with the church, and it says, and taught much people. As you would look again in Acts chapter 13, will not do so, but there was tremendous leadership that God resurrected at this church at Antioch. Mentions Barnabas and Simeon and Lucius and Manaean and Saul. God was working mightily. Souls were being saved 
And as they're saved, they're being discipled and they're trained for the work of the ministry. Now listen, this church wasn't a social club. This church was a fellowship of baptized believers. And they were committed to the training and the fulfilling of the great commission of the Lord Jesus Christ. It was a church with a heart for souls. It was a church with a heart for discipleship. Look in verse 26, Acts 11. It was a church that had a heart for sanctification or Christ-like living. It says, and when they had found him, he brought him to Antioch, and it came to pass that a whole year they assembled themselves with the church and taught much people. Notice this statement. And the disciples were called Christians first at Antioch. Christian, little Christ, like Jesus, it was real to them. It appears in reading through this that those on the outside saw the changes of those that came to Christ. And they made the statement, these are Christians. These are like Jesus. They no longer go to the pagan temples to worship. They don't involve themselves in the temple prostitution. They no longer drink and party. Their speech has changed. Their homes have changed. Dads now love moms and they're faithful to their wives. Moms are now submitted to their dads. And the children and young people love to go to church and they love their parents and they honor their parents. You see, Jesus changed their lives. And now they loved Jesus Christ. And they loved as Christ loved. And by this shall all men know that you are my disciples if you have love one to another. They not only loved like Jesus, but they lived like Jesus. Listen close. If we are to have a heart for the harvest, one of the greatest needs is real Christianity. Life-changing Christianity. Christians that have been delivered from the world. Christians that by the Holy Ghost have been changed from within. The world needs to see a difference. Our lives ought to be different. Our homes ought to be different. Our work ethic ought to be different. Jesus makes a change in the life. A heart for the harvest is a heart for sanctification. Look with me in verse 27. A heart for the harvest is a heart for giving. And it reads, in these days came prophets from Jerusalem to Antioch. And there stood up one of them named Agabus and signified by the Spirit that there should be a great dearth throughout all the world which came to pass in the days of Claudius Caesar. Then the disciples, every man, according to his ability, determined to send relief unto the brethren which dwelt in Judea which also they did and sent it to the elders by the hands of Barnabas and Saul. See, the church saw a need. The persecution in Jerusalem led to a great famine. Many of the Christians there lost their jobs. Many of the Christians had been scattered. Christians in Jerusalem were suffering. Word came to the heart of the people at Antioch. They saw the need. And they began to give unto that need. 
Now, a couple of principles, important principles. Look in verse number 29. It says, then the disciples, notice this statement, every man. In other words, all were involved. That tells me the young Christians, the older Christians. That tells me the children, every man, according to his ability. See, when a church has a heart for the harvest, all can be involved in giving. Every one of us can be involved in tithing. One of the greatest joys in my Christian life has been this particular area, that first 10%. And as my children were growing, uh, we began to teach them to tithe. We began to teach them if they made a dollar, the first 10 cents would go to the Lord. If they made $10, the first $10, or ten, uh, first $1 would go to the Lord. If they made $100, uh, the first $10 would go to the Lord. And we taught them that on the offering envelope, there was a place for the tithe, and that money would go to the local church to supply the needs of Valley Bible Baptist Church. And every one of us can be involved. Uh, read the story of a homeless man. He got saved. After he was saved, the preacher preached a message about tithing. The homeless man went to the preacher, said, Preacher, I want to begin to tithe. How do I do that? He said, Every week I get $50. And this comes to me every week. And the preacher showed him that the first $5 would be the tithe and go to the Lord. It was really interesting. As he began to obey the Lord, God began to bless in his home. And God gave him a job. And he continued to tithe on that job. And as he continued to tithe, God gave him a better job. And then he got to the point where now... He was giving $50 per week where it used to be that he only made $50 per week and now he was giving $50 per week unto the Lord. He went to the preacher and he said, Preacher, I've been thinking about this. He said, I, I realize now I'm giving an awful lot. I'm giving $50 per week as a tithe. I think that's too much. And the preacher says, Well, do you want me to pray that God will lower your salary to what it used to be so you don't have to give so much? See, all of us can be involved. All of us can be involved in faith promise. As we come to the missions conference, we're going to be talking about faith promise. And this is what takes place over and above our tithe. Uh, through the conference, we're asking you to pray and to seek the Lord as to what He would have you to give. Now, by way of my personal testimony, this has been an area of great joy. I shared in the ABC. I never asked the folks at Valley Bible Baptist Church to do something that I myself am not willing to do. I majored in missions in college. As a sophomore in college, I came to an altar and I surrendered to missions. I thought that would be Mexico, the country of Mexico, and, and that was my heart. And God brought me to Española, New Mexico. Now, at the church, Maranatha Baptist, where I was a part of, I'd never heard a faith promise. We did not practice it there. We would have two or three times a year a missionary that would come to our church, and we would be challenged to give unto that missionary. And, and I would do my best and give what I could could at that, uh, during that time of that missionary. When I came to Valley Bible Baptist uh, to, uh, as the pastor, I heard a faith promise for the very first time. I said, wow, I began to study this out in Scripture. I said, that is a neat concept. We had our first missions conference the second year after I'd been here, and my wife and I uh, began to pray. We began to seek the Lord. Lord, what would you have us to do for faith promised missions in this coming year over and above our tithe? And the Lord put upon our heart to figure, and it was very sacrificial with what we were doing at that particular time. In fact, there were times that uh, we had to go without in some areas, but we knew this is what God wanted us to do. 
We had a missionary to Thailand, Brother Lonnie Duncan. He's no longer on the field. And Brother Duncan was one of the missionaries we supported. And I remember Brother Duncan came to our house and we had supper or lunch after church service on Sunday morning. Brother Duncan pulled out a booklet and he showed us in this little album picture after picture after picture of souls that have been saved. And he said, and God's called this one to the ministry. And he said, we're training this one to be the future pastor of that church. And he said, we're training this one to go to some areas where there are no churches. And all of a sudden it occurred to me all of the sacrifice had been worth it. And thank the Lord that we had that opportunity to be involved in the giving of missions. Now my own daughter in Cambodia and two precious grandchildren. And we have had the opportunity through missions at Valley Bible Baptist Church to be a part of giving so they can reach the regions beyond. I want you to notice in verse number 29 again. Then the disciples, every man according to his ability. See, God doesn't expect the same from all of us. I've known children to give what they could. Uh, They would take a candy bar a week and give the money they would have spent for the candy bar. And they began giving towards faith promise in that way. Used to have years ago, dear woman in this church, uh, she had a side job. She would sew clothes for dolls. And she dedicated that toward faith promise. Had one family, they ate out a few times weekly. They began by giving up some of those times so they could give towards missions. One woman fasted on a regular basis one day a week and figured out what it would cost her for food during that one day and dedicated that to the Lord. Every one of us can be involved. Now the picture here, there was a famine in Jerusalem. I tell you, there is a famine for the gospel all across this world. And there are souls that are dying and going to hell. And this church at Jerusalem lifted up their eyes and they said, there is a need and everyone got involved in that need. Everyone reached out to do their part. And I tell you, this famine across the world, only the gospel of Jesus Christ can quench that famine. And God gives us the opportunity to be involved. It was a church that had a heart for giving. Go with me to Acts chapter 13. This heart for giving, this heart for souls, this heart for godly living, and this heart for discipleship led to a heart for the world. God worked a miracle at Antioch. A strong local church was developed I've said many times, Valley Bible Baptist Church must remain faithful so that faithful missionaries can remain. And that's what God did at Antioch. God did a mighty miracle. It became a model church. And this church had a heart for souls, a heart for winning their friends and relatives and their co-workers. They had a heart for discipling their new converts. They had a heart for sanctification, Christ-like living, and a heart for giving when they saw that need. But something else happened. In verse number 3 of Acts 13, it says, And when they had fasted and prayed and laid their hands on them, they sent them away. God was working a miracle. Many saved 
in this city. Lives changed in this city. But this church lifted up their eyes and they saw regions beyond. They saw villages and cities and countries where there was no gospel witness. God broke their hearts. They saw vast regions of the world in need. And they fasted and they prayed and they said, God, we've got to do something about it. And God burdened their hearts to do something. And this church gave of their very best. They gave Barnabas and they gave Bible Baptist Church, there are regions beyond. There are cities and villages all across northern New Mexico that need a gospel-preaching, gospel-believing church. There are cities and countries across this world where there is no gospel message. And would Valley Bible Baptist Church be willing to give of our very best for the regions beyond? Dads and moms, would you be willing to give your children to preach the gospel to regions where the name of Jesus has never been known? I wonder, young people, how many of you would be willing to come to an old-fashioned altar and say at an old-fashioned altar, Lord, I'm yours, and I will go wherever you want me to go and be whatever you want me to be. God, I yield myself, I give myself to you today. This church gained that worldwide vision. And you'll notice in verse number four, so they being sent forth, speaking of Paul and Barnabas by the Holy Ghost, departed into Seleucia, and from thence they sailed to Cyprus, and you read the first missionary journey of Saul, later known as Paul the Apostle. See, God's plan has always been a worldwide plan, a worldwide vision. God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. When God called Abraham in Genesis chapter 12, God said, Abraham, I want to show you a land, and I will give that to your seed. But God said to Abraham, Abraham, through you and your seed, I will bless the world. And I'm going to close with this thought this morning, Matthew chapter number 9. I preached out of this passage last Sunday night. Matthew chapter 9. This is what happened in the city of Antioch. In verse number 35 of Matthew 9, it reads, And Jesus went about all the cities, and villages, teaching in their synagogues, preaching the gospel of the kingdom, healing every sickness, every disease among the people. It was a whirlwind preaching tour. Jesus went everywhere preaching the gospel. He went from city to city and village to village. Every time I drive through northern New Mexico, southern Colorado, I think of this particular verse. But when he saw the multitudes, he was moved with compassion because they fainted and were scattered abroad as sheep having no shepherd. Then saith he unto his disciples, The harvest truly is plenteous, but the laborers are few. 
Pray ye therefore the Lord of the harvest that he would send forth laborers into his harvest. That's what happened in Antioch. God was working in their midst. They lifted up their eyes. And they said there are people that are dying without Jesus Christ. We must do something about it. They fasted and they prayed. God set aside Saul and Barnabas and sent them out as laborers into the harvest. This is why I say and pray, Lord, make Valley Bible Baptist Church an Antioch church. Give us a heart for souls, preaching the gospel to every man, woman, boy, and girl that we come across. Give us a heart for discipleship, to train and disciples those that are converted. Give us a heart for godly living. Let us be real Christians, a testimony to this valley. And Lord, give us a heart for giving. Help us to be involved with our finances. Uh, the first of all, giving of ourselves, but then the giving of our possessions to reach the regions beyond. And Lord, give us a heart for Help us to be an Antioch church. Amen. I'd like with every head bowed and every eye closed,